Our reading today comes from the very beginning of the Bible, the beginning book at least. In a piece of a story, a piece of the story, the flood story, a familiar story, the story of the great flood, and we, and we pick up at the tail end of that tale, and we find God speaking to Noah and to his sons, and this is what God says. <clears throat> As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Then God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I've set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. What a fun day. What a great day. To welcome new people into the life of this church, to be part of reaffirming who we are, to wade in the water of our identity. As we walk through this season of Lent together, walk with us. Walk with us, Lord. Show us the way. Amen. Well, if the events of our world convince us of anything, it's that our way of doing things doesn't work. Our way of doing things doesn't work. One horrific tragedy after another. One horrific tragedy after another. And all we seem to be able to do is go back to our old divisive arguments that don't really get anywhere. Our way of doing things doesn't seem to work. For the record, I it doesn't matter what we do. To me. I'm for anything. I'm not biased. I'm willing to do something that I completely disagree with if it gets the ball rolling. But we can't even seem to do that our way of 
doing things. It doesn't work. We need another way. And so I invite you this morning to join me in this season of Lent as we seek another way. The way I'm talking about is a way that relies not on who we are, but in fact relies on the life of another person. The way I'm talking about is a way that is grounded in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Join me this Lent as we ask God to restore us to the way of Jesus. Let's do that together. In starting with that, I chose to go all the way back to the beginning. I always feel like going to the beginning is a good thing. It's always good to start at the beginning. So we're going back to the beginning, to the very first covenant God ever made. The covenant before the covenant, you might call it. When we think of covenant, we often think of the covenant God made with Abraham, right? The covenant God made, and and that's the one we think of. There are actually three, as one of our scholars from the first service reminded me. I always forget about the third one. There's three. There's one that came before the covenant with Abraham, the one we just read, and then there's a later one, a covenant of the Sabbath. It's not as... It's not as overt, but it's there. The one we're talking about today is the covenant before the covenant. Long before God made a covenant with Abraham, God made this one. Long before God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush, God spoke to Noah. As the story goes, Noah and his family were, well, let's just say they were the only ones that God wasn't upset with. They were the only ones that weren't an ultimate disappointment to God. They were the only ones, as the story tells us. God was just fed up with the lot of us. It was not going well. In fact, if you were to read the first six chapters of Genesis all together, the sense you would have, I think, is the sense I get, and that is that all along the way it feels like God is still trying to decide if we're even worth the effort in the first place, if creation is really an experiment worth continuing, it feels as if God is about ready to throw in the towel any minute. And then you get to chapter 7 in the story of the great flood, and you say, well, that's it. God's given up. God's done. That's how it feels. Until, that is, until you get to that passage we just read a moment ago. The covenant I am making with you, God says to Noah, the covenant I am making, really with the earth, is never again will the floods destroy the earth. Never again. In other words, God declares to stick with creation after all. And ever since then, God has maintained His fidelity to that promise. 
fidelity, a word that means faithfulness to another person or belief or cause, but person in this case, faithfulness to another person or a people that is shown through loyalty and support. Fidelity. It's a word that Old Testament professor Walter Brueggemann applies to this particular part of the story. He calls it God's new fidelity. When we read the story, we, you probably think of water. I mean, there's a lot of water in this story. <laughs> and of course, this week, if you read the story, you're going to think of water. We've had enough water. Even though we need it, boy, I'll tell you. But we think of water. I mean, we, we, we think of water. We think of floods. We think of all kinds. We think of baptism. And it's only in part about that. Brueggemann would correct us in thinking that it's about water only. He said it's not about water. This story, he says, is about God. And because it's about God, it's about us. And because it's about us, it's about you and you and you and you and me. It's about God. It's about us. This story is about God's second effort, he says. God's new sanity after a moment of divine craziness. I love that line. God's new sanity after a moment of divine craziness. It's about a world that is now filled with God's fidelity. God's antidote to the craziness all around us. I don't know if you noticed, but this covenant is a one-sided covenant. Now, if you know anything about covenants, you know that that's weird. That's weird. That's a weird covenant. Covenants are two-sided. That's the point. They're two-sided. There are two parties. There are things required of two parties. This one is not that way. When God makes the covenant with Abraham, what does God say? I will be your God, but you will be my people. So Abraham has to say something about that. You know, good, that sounds good. We'll be the people. You be God. I'm good with that. Not here. It's one-sided. As one scholar points out, the only restrictions that are brought up in this covenant, that this covenant makes, are the restrictions that God applies to Himself. Nothing is required from Noah. Noah doesn't even say a word through the whole thing. Nothing is required of us. It's a one-sided covenant. It's a unconditional covenant promise, the promise of God's fidelity, God's fidelity. Blair Money is the former senior pastor of Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. He's also a good friend. And he wrote a, he's writing a blog because eight months ago he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. At the nine o'clock I said, 
prostate cancer. It just, I just messed up, said the wrong word. It just reminds me of how much I don't want him to have pancreatic cancer. I mean, those things are worlds apart. He's been writing in this blog and he's been sharing with us his experience. He's been using it to keep us up to speed on all this stuff. He's having the chemo and some experimental thing. And, but he's also being honest about his experience. He's being honest about his faith and his fear, his questions, his doubts, his, his humanity. And I want to read to you portion of his latest entry. So what am I learning, he asks. I'm learning once again that God is good. I'm learning that the question, why me, makes no sense at all. Why not me? Why should I think that these things only happen to other people and not me? I'm learning that every experience can teach us something important about life. I'm learning, as the Heidelberg Catechism puts it so well, that I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Do I have doubts? Of course. Do I wonder what the future holds? Absolutely. Do I wonder about life after death? Yes. But in my better moments, I remind myself to whom I belong. He ends it by saying, thank you. Thank you, God, for sticking with me all the way. I can't help but think that when if Blair were to read this passage that we read this morning, he might just stand up and say, you know, I think in my own experience, I've gotten a sense of that. He might just say that I know what it's like to step off of the ark. It's a question that Brueggemann asks us to entertain, a thought. He asks us to entertain that about this story. He says, imagine what it was like. Imagine what it was like for Noah to take that first step off of the ark, to take that first step out of the storm and enter a world that is now filled with God's fidelity, a world that is now dripping wet with God's new promise. Imagine what that must have been like, I think. Blair would say the same thing. I think he would say, I kind of have a sense of what it's like because every single morning when I wake up again, it feels like that to me. Knowing him, I think he'd want you to know that every single day you wake up, it's as if you are waking up to a world filled with God's new promise. Fidelity, it seems, is simply part of who God is. And it's that very belief that keeps me going. It keeps me going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep walking 
That's the only way I know to combat the brutality of our world and that's to keep going, to keep waking up each day and taking another step to keep walking through the storm because God has promised to stick with us all the way until we see the rainbow on the other side. To keep going. To see a world like that. It's why I choose not to hate. It's why I try not to judge. It's why I want to learn to love. To love this world. To love it. Because the world I see is a world drenched in God's fidelity, God's faithfulness. God's presence. That, I think, is the way of Jesus. Man does not live by bread alone, Jesus says, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. May we try to live like that every single day moment. Let us pray. We live in a crazy world, Lord, a messy world, a scary world. And yet, that very same world is dripping with your promise to us. Show us the way. Show us your way. Our way is destructive. Your way is not. Our way is hell on earth. Yours isn't. Our way leads to death. Your way is life. Show us your way today. Show us the way of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.